African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you for joining us once again for this hour of African Dialogue on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us on DSTV, you're listening to us on Channel 902. Well, today uh, we're looking at yesterday's day, which was the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists, where we're going to speak to a couple of journalists and really listen to their personal stories about their views about journalism on the continent. So we'll speak to them about that. But right now, let's get a news update from Onel Nzinzi. At least 15 soldiers have been killed in an ambush by fighters from the Islamic extremist rebel group Al-Shabaab. Probe Francis's visit to the violent hit Central African Republic remains on the program despite a new spike in violence in the capital Bangui and the Supreme Court of Appeals in the capital Pretoria disregards most of the evidence presented during the Oscar Pistorius trial. The latest on your news, a very good morning. I am Onilin Sinsi. A Somali military official says at least 15 soldiers have been killed in an ambush by fighters from the Islamic extremist rebel group Al-Shabaab. Colonel Ahmed Moussi said the rebels seized three military vehicles during the ambush. The attack comes a day after extremists attacked a hotel in Mogadishu, killing at least 12 people and injuring many others before they were killed by security forces. Al-Shabaab claims responsibility for the attack and said it had killed 30 soldiers. Pope Francis's visit to the violence hit Central African Republic remains on the program, despite a new spike in violence in the capital Bangui between Christians and Muslims. The Pope is expected in the chronically unstable former French colony from November 28th to November 29th during a much-anticipated visit to Africa. The Pope will also travel to Kenya and Uganda. The violence between vigilantes from the Christian majority and the members of the Muslim minority reignited at the weekend in Bagui when at least five people were killed and over 100 homes were torched. Their trip planned for late November would have to be cancelled if fighting in the capital intensifies. The state has told the Supreme Court of Appeals in Bloemfontein, South Africa, that the High Court in the capital, Pretoria, disregarded most of the evidence presented during the Oscar Pistorius trial. The state has approached the SCA in the effort to overturn Pistorius's culpable homicide conviction to murder. Furthermore, the state says it is confident that the Supreme Court of Appeal will hear the appeal application on Oscar Pistorius's culpable homicide conviction. 
It will argue that the High Court in the capital of Pretoria erred in the application of the law when handing down the sentence last year. The state is seeking a murder conviction for Rivas Tiangam's death. Pistorius's defense opposes the application, arguing that the state is attacking the factual findings. National Prosecuting Authorities, Luvuyo Mfaku. We are fully prepared as a state. We filed our heads well in advance. The judges had an opportunity to peruse those. Uh, We don't expect any lengthy arguments today. We've always outlined our case that uh, whenever we take a matter on appeal, we always have reasonable prospects of a successful appeal. That hasn't changed. And finally, Egyptian President Abdul Fattah al-Sisi has dismissed as propaganda claims by a branch of the Islamic State group that they were responsible for downing a Russian plane. His remarks came as a top U.S. intelligence official said it was unlikely that ISIS had been involved in the airline disaster over the Sinai Peninsula that killed 224 people on Saturday. Experts say the fact that debris and bodies were strewn over such a wide area points to a mid-air disintegration of the aircraft. Now recapping on your top stories, at least 15 soldiers have been killed in an ambush by fighters from the Islamic extremist rebel group Al-Shabaab. Pope Francis's visit to the violence hit Central African Republic remains on the program despite a new spike in violence in the capital, Bangui. And the Supreme Court of Appeal in the capital, Pretoria, disregards most of the evidence presented during the Oscar Pistorius trial. Channel Africa News, I'm Onilin Sinsi. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Just a reminder that you're listening to us on the shortwave service into the continent on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. If you're listening to us on DSTV, we're on Channel 902. I know that there are people who stream us live every day, so thank you for joining us on the www.channelafrica.co.za streaming facility on our website. Well, today we're going back to the issue of media freedom, but we going to look at the day that was celebrated yesterday, the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. Really today, I really want to get the whole idea about the importance of journalists and also just the role they play in society and how actually their daily lives are. I think sometimes when we look at journalists, we look, we think deadline, we think of those uh, hardcore movies where they're really getting that big scoop. But hey, let's get into the stories of journalists and their daily lives and really what's behind being a journalist. Well, the United Nations Generalist Assembly adopted its 68th session in 2013, a resolution called the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. The resolution urged member states to implement measures countering the present culture of impunity. Now, this was yesterday. It was a day chosen in commemoration of the two French journalists who were assassinated in Mali. Now, the resolution condemns all attacks and violence against journalists and media workers. Well, in studio, I've got Matlati Garlands, who is uh, an SABC journalist and also uh, the same of Houten Convener. We were speaking to her the other day and we were looking at the issue of media freedom. So she's back to us to speak to us about how, what it is to be a journalist. And we also have Bernard Bagungira, who's joining us from Bur- Burundi. And we also have uh, Tamano Makadi, who is uh, the broadcast journalist from uh, uh, Twana University of Technology. Let me start with you, Matlazi. 
you know, being a journalist is seen as a, a hardcore job. You know, we kind of it's so glamorized and romanticized. Every time we look at those movies, we think of, hey, it's such a poetic uh, job to have. But really, being a journalist, what is it for you? What does it mean for you? Look, I think uh, a lot of a, a lot about journalism is something that I think a lot of us are born with. I think yeah. I am. Um, what attracted me to become a journalist was the opportunity to be part of reflecting, especially on South Africa, which was just coming out of an apartheid era and going into a democratic era and building on those democracies. It was about being able to inform. I am from uh, Seshiro in Limpopo, sure. and one of the reasons I fell in love with radio was its ability to reach people that were in far-flung places with no access to television, no access to the internet, but at least keeping them informed so that they know what is happening within uh, their communities. I think journalism is about being watchdogs. We yeah. are about uh, ensuring that people do what it is that they have signed up to do. But I also think, more importantly, uh, as a public broadcaster, we also play a role of nation building because we're giving an opportunity to a diverse uh, to uh, uh, diverse people sure. to speak to each other and to actually get to hear each other. And through that, conversations are born and people get to influence each other and get to learn uh, from each other. And I think for me, that is what uh, journalism is really about. Yeah, you sound like that hardcore journalist in the movies, actually. <laughs> the more you speak, I'm like, I'm convinced all those movies were right. But let's move on to Burn. Bernard, another uh, correspondent we have here at Channel Africa who does great work for us. Bernard, thank you for joining us there from Bujumbura in Burundi. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Now, what does journalism mean for you? I think uh, it means different things for different journalists, of course. And you heard what Matlatsi had to say, kind of that journalistic role that we play to inform, make sure that we actually play a nation building um, role in our societies. Also, that whole role that we play that, hey, we need to create a transparent societies. But for you, Bernard, what does uh, journalism uh, stand for and what, what does it mean to be a journalist, especially in your country? Yes, of course, I agree with you that uh, being a journalist, what it is, being a journalist, what it is in general, uh, but uh, being a journalist here in Burundi must be a little bit different from uh, uh, other countries because um, uh, we were expected that, uh, to, to, to contribute in the development of the country, in the reinforcement of the, 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 the governance, in, the, in short, in rebuilding and maintain, maintaining the sovereignty of the country. But uh, the, what's, uh, what, uh, the, the situation which is prevailing here in Burundi is uh, a little bit different uh, from our expectations because uh, to be a journalist, you are safe when you are working for the public radio, I mean the pro-government radio station, but when you are working for uh, private media or international, something like international media, it can mean something else because you, might, you will be perceived as uh, an opponent, as uh, someone acting on behalf of the opposition. And this is the current situation that we are living here in, in Burundi, uh, whereby the journalists are uh, not good in not in good terms with the, the government. Some are even harassed or even are killed. Uh, you know, maybe for those who didn't know, we, we've got. Uh, more than 60 journalists who have fled the country uh, following the current crisis 
uh, hitting the country. So uh, it's a little, a little bit difficult here in Bujumbura mm-hmm. to to be a journalist in the work effectively and play the real role that a journalist, any journalist in the world have to play. Yeah, well, I'm going to come back to you because I, I think that's very interesting, Bernard, because you work in a different environment compared to here in, in South Africa. And we'll speak about some of those challenges. Let me go to uh, Mr. Makadi, who is uh, a broadcasting journalist and lecturer at the Twana University of uh, Technology, but he was also a broadcaster working in television. Uh, Mr. Makadi, thank you for joining us on our program. Program. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Benjamin. Now, look, Mr. McCarty, it's very interesting to to look at you and, and, and speak to you because I think I'm going to speak to you from a different element as an educator and as well as a journalist. I'm sure uh, journalism means something similar to what we've described, but I'm sure when you look at students today, it's actually transformed when you look at what's happening with social media, what's happening with uh, how blogs have taken over, especially on the continent of Africa. Journalism seems to have a different trend as well here on the continent. No, that's right. Um, I think it has uh, taken um, a very interesting uh, shape over the past couple of years, and I agree with you, mainly because of the uh, new new trends we're talking today of uh, social social media, uh, which contributes a lot uh, to information, uh, and, and, and so forth. But uh, answering your question on what uh, does it mean for me to be a journalist, it really, uh, and, and I want to agree with uh, the, I mean, two of my colleagues there, just to add on what uh, Matlati has already indicated. This is really about uh, nation building, an opportunity uh, to contribute to the development of uh, uh, society. Uh, but um, my my main concern really is it's about the relationship between uh, media and government, which over the years uh, has now been characterized by sectors uh, that continue to impede on the freedom of 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 the press, and that, amongst other things, uh, include the imprisonment of of journalists for their work. In some instances, journalists are arrested and detained. So we have seen a quite a number of uh, things uh, obviously happening uh, throughout the African continent. Journalists uh, receive threats. They face intimidation, harassment. So this, for me, uh, continues to be a, major, uh, a cause of uh, uh, major concern. I mean, it is not good that journalists must always be mindful of uh, their steps. The safety of of, of of journalists, I mean, journalists in the African continent, uh, is to a large extent compromised. In some parts of the continent, we continue to see mm. journalists really going to to, to exile, sure. whilst others are assassinated. Mm. Uh, I listened to you earlier on. You were talking about um, uh, uh, the UN uh, G- uh, Secretary General. Uh, in his report indicating that over the last 10 years, more than 700 journalists mm-hmm. have been killed. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, uh, to me, raises more questions sure. uh, about us as uh, uh, the people throughout the, the, the African continent.
Well, we'll come back to those particular challenges. Uh, uh, we want to come back to you, the listener, and ask you this question. Do you think that we're doing enough to actually... Uh, you know, honor journalists. I think sometimes journalists seem to be just, uh, I don't think we honor them enough. I, I, maybe I'm kind of uh, pro myself here, being a bit egotistical since I'm a journalist myself. But as societies, do you think that we really acknowledge the work that journalists do? Uh, we're seeing a trend that actually there's a lot of attacks on journalists. So let us know your thoughts, plus 2779-695-7930, plus 2779-695-7930. You can give us your views there on the conversation we're having today or you can tweet us at channel africa one at channel africa one or find us on that facebook of page channel africa it's simply titled that uh, channel africa this is african dialogue with me benjamin mushatama let's take a quick break and then we'll continue speaking to our journalists about the role of journalists in our society would like to get to know you our listener so we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station is it via shortwave internet or satellite and what do you enjoy listening to you can sms us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine oh five or email us it's at info at channelafrica.org you can also tell us via facebook or tweet us on the handle at channel africa numerical one or write to us at the address P.O. Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us on DSTV, we're in Channel 902. That's Channel 902. Well, today we're looking at this particular day, really looking at uh, the... uh, International Day to Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists was yesterday. I started the program really looking at uh, the role that journalists play and just how they are in terms of, uh, you know, how we can relate to them in terms of our society. But I want to move on a little bit because looking at the role of the journalist before we get into these issues, crimes against journalists, I want to look at the role that the journalist plays, especially now in terms of, uh, um, you know, media and social media, how do you differentiate between the journalist and the blogger and the great Twitter account uh, manager so how do you differentiate between those different roles because I was just telling Mathati before that we before we came back from the break about how trends are now really driven and stories are driven on social media. So how do you counter those uh, stories with journalistic ethic um, kind of conduct? So I don't know, how do you deal with that particular environment as a journalist? Look, I think Twitter is the one form of uh, medium, social medium that has established itself as an agenda setting uh, a medium but I think the difference is that you know you can't tell a story with 140 characters that is not 
uh, a, a way to measure a story. And also uh, what we have done, at least within the SABC, is to decide that we use Twitter as a mere guide. It is a guide. It doesn't mean if anything is on Twitter, we take it at face value as being the truth. I mean, just to give you an example, uh, you can see something tweeted by maybe somebody like uh, Helen Ziller, uh, the premier of the Western Cape. Yeah. And then if you decide to go on with that, you can find that her Twitter account was actually hacked. Mm. And then you find yourself in a lot of trouble. Sure. So there are a lot of things that you need to guard on in terms of using uh, social networks. But also there's a power of social networks. I mean, I'm just thinking now with the Fees Must Fall campaign, mm. when we started seeing divisions uh, at Everett's University, you know, the students that did not have the leadership uh, to actually voice out their issues, use social network to start distributing why they were disagreeing with their leadership and in that way they actually had a voice and that became part of debate. So there are useful things that uh, social network give, but also more importantly I mean, um, I guess it's, 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 what it, it's making it easy for the continent to converse. I mean, mm. you guys as Channel Africa are able to reach so many parts of the continent and you sure. can have people from different parts of the continent work. But you can't, it can't replace what journalism is about because mm. we are about giving a balanced view, sure. which means that we will speak to people that, you know, disagree with each other on a particular issue. Mm. We are about credibility. If I accuse you of anything, I need to provide evidence and I can't run it unless there's evidence to actually support it. Mm. Whereas people can use Twitter to actually damage, impugn and even... Um, harm an individual. Sure. So there's still, there is still very much the necessity for uh, news mediums because of the values of balance, integrity, sure, credibility, sure. diversity of voices, uh, as opposed to bloggers who yeah. are mainly giving their own point of view yeah, about yeah. a particular issue. But all of that is an important space for conversations to actually happen. Mm. And I think what I like about social network is that it also gives people access to news that they wouldn't necessarily have. Mm. Because if you look at our continent, one of our biggest weaknesses is that we don't necessarily have a continental broadcaster. Mm. Uh, a lot of the time we're still broadcasting to our own countries sure. and not necessarily about issues of other continents sure. and people get to talk more and I'm hoping that you know as the industry changes we mm. will have a lot more of it I mean the SBC now has 404 which is broadcasting in a lot of African mm. countries we have Channel Africa but the idea is to get different people from across the continent to converse and that social media provides that but I think we still need the traditional news outlets because also mm. Africa remains a poor country mm. sure. a lot of people don't have access to the social media that we talk <coughs> so much about mm. well th that leads me back to go back to bernard because i think that's very interesting where you know where you live in in a pressing society such as yours i'm sure that uh, when there's actually conflict against uh, journalists social media does play a big role especially when it gets out that those news or that kind of oppression against journalists you can get a video out there quicker or you can actually get that story out there to the public quicker you know as a form of self-defense mechanism for journalists bernard yes now what you say, what you say is true that the social media uh, has taken 
uh, uh, has been playing a, a, a paramount role, especially since the, the destruction of the, the four independent media uh, outlets in Bojumbura. Uh, so the population resorted to the social media, resorted to Twitter, to WhatsApp, to Telegram or Facebook and other telephone, uh, telephone applications. So the, the social media has, has remained the only, the only channel uh, to disseminate information across the country. But the problem is that uh, the information circulated there is uh, less controlled. So it's um, difficult to, 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 to know whether there's truth or there's not truth. There's no control. Uh, most of the information is taken as rumors, and this is maybe the problem. Yeah, the government, in the in the meantime, mm. at the outset, tried to clamp on the social media, but uh, the population, let me say that, tried to circumvent the media, the 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 the, the, the media taken against the social media, and uh, the government could not could not stop the circulation of this information. Mm. So. Mm. It's true that the country has recorded uh, a very important uh, record of the social media circulation, uh, but the information circulated there is a little bit uh, difficult to trust 100%. Well, let, let me go back to you, uh, Tamana Makadi, in terms of looking at that particular aspect of things, uh, how actually social media can actually play a role in also protecting the journalists, because I've seen some journalists who've actually been actually taken out a story before getting to the newsroom and actually maybe they've been violated or a camera has been uh, take try, someone's trying to take a camera from there. I know it's happened before here at the SABC where you know journalists were robbed and actually came out on social media before it came out into before it came out on broadcast time. So I think social media can play that kind of defensive role or that protective mechanism for journalists. No, that's right. Uh, journalism is about uh, accuracy. It's about uh, balanced views or fairness, if, if, if I may put it that way. So um, two things. I think uh, we've seen social media, obviously, uh, doing really wonders uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know, keeping people updated, you're able to get uh, stories as quickly as, 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 as possible. I mean, when journalist is covering a, a story um, outside before they could even go back to file, or whether they were putting it on radio or, or television, uh, they could still um, share some little bit of information on that on that particular story, but I also want to uh, just pick up on the uh, a point which Masazi uh, touched on, which I think is very important. If you're talking about uh, Twitter, for for example, I mean 140 uh, characters, you can't tell a story uh, with 140 uh, uh, characters. But yes, you are able to. Uh, just give an update of what's, what's, what's happening there. But also what is more important is that uh, people out there, and I'm just talking about ordinary folks who uh, probably don't even understand uh, the ethics that governs ju- journalists. Some people just take 
whatever they read on Twitter as it is. But what is important for journalists is to double-check, verify your, 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 your facts. You can't uh, come across a story on Twitter or on Facebook or on all these uh, social um, uh, media uh, platforms and want to, to, to run with it. We've seen uh, a whole lot of things really going going wrong. But I think uh, what is more important to emphasize here is that much as it's good to have um, uh, social uh, networks, uh, there are limitations, and that is uh, uh, the, the one point which I just uh, want us to underline. Mm. Well, I want to come back to this big issue when we come back after this break. I'm going to take a quick break now. I'm going to come back to this issue of violence against journalists because we know uh, some statistics that have come out, especially when you look at, uh, you know, attacks on journalists that uh, 25% of them could be attributed to government forces. So what's creating this conflict between governments and and, and, and journalists, because it seems like that's the trend currently where you're seeing a lot of the attacks coming from government forces themselves. Hey, we want to hear from you. What do you think about the conversation we're having today, looking at journalism, looking at the role that journalists actually play in our society? Actually, we've dealt with this story a couple of times this year because of the various um, circumstances that have taken place. I wanted to take a little different spin and maybe hey, highlighting the role of the journalists because it seems like over and over again, we questioning that role as Africans. But what are your thoughts around this conversation? Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero is our SMS number. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Or you can find us at African Dialogue. That's our Twitter handle. Or at Channel Africa One. It's the number one at the end. I've got uh, Bernard Bugunkira, who's an SABC Channel Africa correspondent from Burundi. I also have uh, Matlatsi Gallens, who's joining us in studio. She's an SABC journalist and also a Senate of Gauteng convener. And also we've got uh, Mr. Tamano Makadi, who is uh, the broadcast journalism lecturer, joining us from the Twane University of Technology. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back after this. Would you like to be featured on our website? Send us interesting pictures, such as those of people, events, or anything you think is unique and interesting. Be part of our website and share those memorable moments with Channel Africa and the rest of the world. Don't miss this opportunity. Take a picture now. Pictures can be sent to info at channelafrica.org. That's info at channelafrica.org. You can view your pictures on www.channelafrica.co.za and also on our Facebook page. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to African Dialogue. This is Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Reminder, if you're listening to us on DSTV, it's on Channel 902 and on shortwave, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today we're looking at the day that was yesterday, International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists, a topic that we've dealt with a couple of times here on uh, African Dialogue, and we keep coming back to it, uh, but it's something that we really 
really think that we should can't we can't revisit. Uh, but today we're looking at the role of the journalists. But I want to move into these uh, conflict zones and looking at these uh, really uh, conflicts between government and um, uh, journalists. Why is that so? Why do we find ourselves in an increasing uh, space where that is happening more often in South Africa? We're hearing more of a language against um, critical thought, especially when that critical thought comes from the media. It's a trend that seems to be happening over and over again. Let me bring that back to you, Matlats, in terms of that environment that we find ourselves here on, on the continent in terms of those conflicts. You know, I thought, you know, you did say that we had talked about this, but I also thought that we should mention a new element that is emerging in South Africa. A lot of our protests in South Africa are increasingly becoming violent. Mm. And within those protests, we are seeing journalists increasingly targeted, sure. not by state organs, but mm. also by ordinary people, communities. Yeah. And for us, it is quite a worry because, uh, you know, we would like journalists to be seen as people that move the information and get to tell people stories. But uh, what we're seeing increasingly is communities that are frustrated turning against uh, journalists. Mm. I mean, also, obviously, there is the other issue of, you know, police being accused of targeting journalists or security details of government officials uh, taking uh, uh, the pictures that have been captured by our photographers. Mm. So there is a worrying trend that is emerging in South Africa, despite what we are seeing in terms of what is being pushed for in terms of changing policy and regulating uh, uh, the media. And I think you're touching on a very critical thing where we need to be constantly reminding communities about the role of journalists Mm. because if we have communities themselves turning against journalism, that is actually a very worrying aspect. But also, um, you know, uh, on the face of it, compared to Burundi, we are a peaceful country, Mm. but we are noticing some of these violent protests and turning on journalists, and there is increasingly a need to train our journalists uh, to actually to know what to do in those mm-hmm. violent protests. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I remember when I went to the Fismas Four protest in, um, in 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 the Union buildings. The students turned on one of the SABC female journalists, and it was very intimidating for her because I think she, she was just. I don't know if she was pregnant at that particular time. I think she was a pregnant female journalist. And these men just say, you can't take pictures, you can't do this, you can't do that. And for me, it was a very, very harsh space for the journalists to have been because she's just sending a message out there. She's not, she's not representing a government, you know what I mean? And, and, and I think that that is where we need to have serious conversations as a country about how we actually treat journalists because especially that incident uh, at the union building, there was a lot of people impeding journalists from doing their work. Sure. I mean, uh, we had live on television, uh, one of our reporters trying to speak to a spokesperson of the ANC, yeah. and you had this mob basically saying, you can't do that, this is a student protest, why is he speaking? Forgetting that we are all there at different capacities. But I think one of the issues that maybe I also want to raise, if, if I don't get an opportunity, is that we don't get a lot of training for journalists to actually in terms of how to respond to sure. a hostile environment. Yeah, yeah. And I'm speaking for myself as somebody who's gone out to so many um, difficult places, the Eastern Congo, uh, the Sudan, the Four, mm. uh, Haiti aftermath. And a lot of the time, our journalists don't know how to actually respond in those hostile environments. And a lot of those operate with luck and a short <laughs> prayer. And I think it is important that we... It's not funny, actually. It's not funny, but it is actually a serious thing. Sure, when we sure. start to getting 
uh, uh, media companies investing in training journalists? And I would like to know if in Burundi, for example, given what has happened, if any of them, mm. uh, of the journalists, had any training on how to actually respond to such hostile environment, mm. especially when you are talking about gunfire mm. coming towards you or fearing for your life and all of those things. So for me, those two issues I would like us to talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think uh, now we have Mahlati leading the agenda now. <laughs> well done, Mahlati. Bernard, what are your thoughts around what Mahlati is highlighting? Very important things that she's brought to the forefront there. Yes, I think uh, she has mentioned a very important point and a very uh, good case uh, by mentioning Burundi because the situation which is prevailing in Burundi is uh, showing how the media is suffering in Africa. Or uh, Burundi, let me maybe to describe a little bit now what's happening in Burundi. Uh, Burundi entered the crisis, the political crisis in April, uh, but before before that. Uh, let me say that there was uh, a kind of uh, latent uh, mistrust between journalists, especially the private journalists, and uh, the government, because uh, the government asked, uh, accused the media, independent media, of uh, acting on behalf of the opposition. Now, when the crisis erupted in April, uh, the independent, the full independent media, which were destroyed, made a live coverage of uh, the demonstrations in Bujumbura. Uh, together with the international radio stations uh, which were covering it, uh, especially France, Van Kaat, uh, uh, RFC and others. Uh, but the government accused them of stirring the protest by uh, encouraging protesters to take down to the streets and, uh, uh, and demonstrate so as they can take pictures to send to their media, respective media houses. So this is the, current situa- the, the, the situation which prevailed in, which prevailed in the in the first days of the demonstrations and uh, uh, following the May 13th mm. failed military coup, now everything, everything was, uh, uh, I can't find a word how to describe it, but uh, the government used extra force now to destroy the four popular independent uh, radio stations. It was a good occasion for it now to destroy it and to shut them and to hunt down all journalists in such a way that uh, more than 60 journalists have now fled the country. Others remained for a long time in the hiding place without doing anything. So Mm. it was really catastrophic. Bernard, sorry to cut you off there. But, uh, you know, uh, Matlati has highlighted something very important. How do you guys then protect yourself? Um, Do you think that there still needs to be more done in order to, uh, you know, train journalists how to, you know, you know, you know, save themselves or protect themselves or have some form of protective uh, steps to take? Because I, I'm not trained as a journalist on how, if there's a conflict or there's something that's happening, how to protect myself. Do you think we need to do more in that regard? Yeah, I think um, something more must be, should be done because uh, she, she, she mentioned a very big, important point. We, we It's true that we cover events, we do things, we go to the fields and report on live events or several things. But in, in terms of security, I can't say that you are safe because the game shots are there. We go there, no even bulletproof. Just we put in mind that we are acting on behalf of the law. There is law protecting us, but the bullet cannot protect us. So I think she has made something very important that we need a kind of 
training on how to protect ourselves from in, in the conflicting zone, if we can say that. So it's true. We are acting without uh, any protection. Sure, sure. Let me bring you, Mr. McCartney, into that particular conversation in terms of uh, even in our curricula, maybe that's something that we can bring that in on how journalists uh, deal with conflict zones, how we actually you know, how do we actually report fairly in conflict zones and also how do we protect ourselves within those conflict zones? I think uh, uh, it's quite an uh, an important point and I think um, uh, universities, and I'm talking about uh, those that uh, offer training in the field of uh, journalism or media studies, it's something to to be considered um, uh, and I think, uh, obviously, given the nature of uh, events that we've seen um, throughout the continent, particularly here in South Africa, and I, I listened to you earlier, you're talking about um, the, I mean, uh, Feast Must Fall com- campaign, very hostile uh, uh, situation there. So it will be important to, 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 to have that kind of training, obviously coming from... Uh, uh, educators or those that offer uh, uh, courses in journalism, uh, but not only uh, institution of higher learning. Perhaps uh, uh, you know media companies as well. Uh, it will be something to to to. Uh, I mean, great to have. Uh, obviously, I understand journalists are always pressed on time. There isn't much time to be. Uh, attending to this and that, uh, the main objective, obviously, people are always chasing out uh, stories. But it would be something good to 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 have. Uh, I, I fully agree there. But just one point, um, I want to agree uh, once more here with uh, Matlati. She she made a point uh, about um, uh, community or society turning against. Uh, a journalist. I think uh, for me this is a worrying factor, and we're seeing more and more of these kind of things uh, happening, uh, particularly here in uh, in South Africa. I've observed uh, over the past couple of of years. I can just make uh, a reference of uh, strike uh, uh, a few years back in in in, in Bumalanga, where a journalist was uh, was stoned. Uh, that was very very terrible. So. I think uh, uh, community needs to be to be uh, taught somehow uh, about the role of uh, journalists because journalists are, are not there to take sides. If there's a strike or if people are, are objecting uh, uh, or they have grievances about uh, service delivery. Uh, you can give them many of these, these these examples. Journalists are not there to take sides either with uh, uh, government or protesters. They're just there to, to cover the story and tell it uh, as, as it is. So um, we cannot have a, a society that uh, uh, seem to have disrespect or communities or society that do not respect journalists. Mm, sure, Otherwise, sure. Um, uh, we, we, we headed for a crisis. Yeah. Masasi, let, let me bring it back to you in terms of the way forward. <laughs> um, I'm sure, I mean, 
you know, for me, I think the message should come from the top coming down in terms of the role of governments. And, and, and I think the government also has to play a role in terms of most of the time on the African continent when governments do speak about, and I was trying to make this point earlier, when they do speak about journalism and media, they do speak about it as if it's this force against them or it's this party this conspiracy you know mm. and that seems to be a trend that keeps happening and i don't i don't blame communities when you arrive there and they they see you as a, a certain force or a conspiracy theorist trying to tell a story use them or something like that so those messages are coming out and we need to deal with those look i think that there is a very direct link between a maturing democracy and uh allowing freedom of the press. That is a link and we can use the freedom of the press to measure if a democracy is going the right way. As much as I, I I will agree that you will never find a situation where the media and the government agree that i mean if that were to happen then (laughs) one of us is doing the wrong thing or government is really doing the right right thing thing, but i think also there is a responsibility on us as journalists because if we are if we are guided by the (coughs) principles that makes us journalists to be fair to be balanced and not to be judgmental in the way we report about people then i think that helps in communities to have trust in what we actually do. Mm. Because a lot of the times, perhaps, the anger comes from if they think that the media is reporting about them in a certain way and Mm. are not truly reflecting what is going on in their community. So I'm not saying that is always the case, but I'm just saying that we as reporters as well have a responsibility to build on that relationship between ourselves and communities. But you're also right. It's also about what those in power continue to say about the media that can influence uh, how communities then perceive us or see us or decide to react to us. Mm. Well, that's how we're going to wrap it up. I don't have any more time. So I'll, ha- I'll let Matlatsi have the last say. She w- she could have just co-presented this with me. I think she did a brilliant job. But thanks to Matlatsi Galens, who's the Senate of Gauteng Convener, SABC journalist. Thank you as well to Mr. Tamano Makadi, who is the Broadcast Journalism Lecturer from the Twana University of Technology. Thank you, Bernard uh, Bakunkira, who is our correspondent here at the Channel Africa from Burundi, Bujumbura. Hey, keep uh, safe there in Bujumbura. And uh, we really enjoy the work that you give us so stay safe for us and uh, yeah we wish you all the best that side thank you everyone for contributing thank you most welcome thank you now that's for us time for us to move on let's take a quick break and then when we come back we'll get our economics update This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is Lira, South African Afro-Soul singer and songwriter. 
You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, celebrating 20 years of South African freedom and democracy. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Africa rising through innovative technologies to improve the quality of life of its people. From the 29th of November to the 3rd of December 2015, South Africa's city of gold, Johannesburg, will host the 7th AfroCities Summit. Delegates will have an opportunity to reflect on the challenges that local governments and partner states are faced with, the state of affairs and what steps have been taken to ensure that the objective to build a network of smart cities is realized. Channel Africa will be there bringing you live coverage. The AfroCity Summit is an engagement for Africa's local government authorities, which is organized every three years by the United Cities and Local Governments of Africa, UCLG Africa. This year's edition will be held under the theme, Shaping the Future of Africa with the People. The contribution of African local authorities to Agenda 2063 of the African Union. Smart cities will be one of the subjects explored during the five-day summit. So, join the Channel Africa between the 29th of November and the 3rd of December for coverage of AfroCities 2015. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, it's time for us to now quickly move on and get our economic update from Wissani Matebula. Thanks, Benjamin. Uh, Volkswagen diesel emissions scandal has deepened after the U.S. authorities accused the car maker of installing defeat devices into luxury sports cars, including Porsches. The Environmental Protection Agency, which uncovered the initial emissions rigging at VW, claims the car maker installed defeat devices in VW, Audi and Porsche vehicles with a three-liter engines in models with their dates ranging from 2014 to 2016. Energy company Shell has uh, been accused uh, by campaign groups of making false claims about its operations to clean up oil spills in Nigeria. Amnesty International and the Center for Environmental Human Rights and Development says several oil spill sites in Nigeria, which Shell claimed to have cleaned up by 2011, are still polluted. And still in Nigeria, shares in mobile giant MTN have resumed trading on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange after being suspended for a few hours. The JSE suspended trade on the telecom giant shares earlier today. The stocks fell as much as 80%. MTN is still negotiating with authorities in Nigeria after the company was fined $507 million by Nigerian regulators for allegedly failing to disconnect up to 5 million unregistered SIM cards. Worldwide Works head Arthur Goldstock. 
it does seem to be getting worse. And MTN bringing out the big gun, sending their most senior people to Nigeria to try to resolve this might have the opposite effect because Nigeria sees South Africa as trying to pull their weight in a country where they are trying to prove that they're big boys on the continent. They're not communicating effectively enough with investors when it comes to what's happening to the share price. We find the same in their relationship with the authorities in Nigeria. The fact that they delayed so long shows a disconnect. And you see that across the board. There's kind of disconnect in corporate culture. Nigeria State Oil Company has reported a loss in September as persistently weak oil prices hit Africa's biggest crude producer. The report published on the Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation's website showed it recorded a 298.52 US dollar loss in September. It also recorded a loss of 304.9 US dollars in August. And that's your economics news. Well, it's time for us now to move on with our sports. Musibudi Makura is standing by. Thank you, Benjamin. Good day, sports fans. The Supreme Court of Appeals in Bloemfontein is at this hour hearing the state heads of argument in the appeal over Oscar Pistorius's culpable homicide conviction. The state is arguing that the Pretoria High Court was wrong to let Pistorius more um, off of the more serious charge of murder after he fired four shots through a door on Valentine's Day back in 2013, killing his girlfriend, Riva Steenkamp. Pistorius released on house arrest last month after serving a fifth of his ter- uh, prison term for killing his girlfriend, faces more years in jail if the state lawyers can get his convic- uh, conviction scaled up to murder from culpable homicide. On to local football news, South Africa's premiership side Kazi Chiefs face an informed Golden Arrows on Tuesday night at the FNB Stadium south of Johannesburg with three points up four grabs in the APSA premiership. Kazi Chiefs head coach Steve Gombella also sees the game as a perfect opportunity for his side to respond by getting back to winning ways after they defeat to Oshwavos Orlando Pirates this past weekend. I think at the back of this disappointing loss, when you go to any match, you go in, not that you were not focused in the previous one, but understanding that each time you lose a match, you lose ground. Stakes are higher. And that we'll be playing against Golden Arrows, who's been doing very well. We are aware of their strengths and weaknesses. They're quite a fast team. If you give them too much space, then they will start to access that space. And Sarame as well, the scholar of the game, he plays to the strength of his team. We've seen a couple of matches that they have played. And we know what we're up against on Tuesday, but we, as I said earlier on, we need to respond. In the other matches of the evening, Pumalanga Black Aces host Jomo Cosmos, while Marisburg United will host Bulugwani City. On to cricket news, Cricket South Africa has announced with regret the postponement of the Momentum Women's National Team's tour to Bangladesh, which had been rescheduled to take place later this week. This became necessary as South Africa will not be able to field a full-strength squad. According to Cricket South Africa CEO Harun Lugat, this is the most unfortunate as a number of players are unavailable to tour because of personal security concerns, work or end-of-year study and 
exams at this time of the year. Cricket South Africa is currently working with the Bangladesh Cricket Board to reschedule the tour. Now to basketball news, South Africa's senior men's wheelchair basketball team overcame a tough challenge from a physical Egyptian side to win 80-64 as they registered their second win of the International Wheelchair Basketball Federation African Qualifiers in Algiers, Algeria. In a match which saw the Egyptian head coach escorted out of the venue after being dismissed from courtside after a verbal altercation with the media with the match officials, the match will also be remembered for another super haul of points scored by the South African player Richard Norkey. They were 2013 ahead after the first quarter before the um, shooting let them down to see the Egyptian dominate the second quarter to share the game at 32 all at half time. In their third quarter it was Egyptians who battled to convert attacking options into points while the South Africans regained their rhythm to lead 57-48. South Africa will now face another tough challenge when they take on Morocco at the Stauli Basketball Stadium later on Tuesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central African time. And finally, boxing news after staging a boxing tournament at the Wild Coast Sun this coming Friday. Suja Promotions Managing Director Andy Leslindile will start preparing for his company's last tournament of the year. Already a date has been set for the last tournament of the year with former IBO and WBA featherweight champion Simpiwe V12 Vijega going to headline the tournament with a clash against Colombian boxer Rudolf for Punieta in East London. Soon after our tournament on the 6th of November 2015, which will be held um, at the Wild Coast, we will prepare um, for our last tournament of the year, which is going to be held at the Selborne Park Tennis Stadium in East London. It will feature Simpiwa V12 Vegeka um, against a Colombian Rodolfo Buente. They'll be fighting over 12th round. Simpiwa Vegeka will be defending his WBA international title. We've actually applied to the WBA to make the fight um, an official eliminator for WBA regular title. The Zion Sports News at the Sour. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Remember, you can tune in again for another uh, installment of African Dialogue tomorrow. African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. Remember, you can interact with us via Facebook. We've got a Channel Africa page or tweet us at Channel Africa 1 or at African Dialogue or plus 27796957930 is our SMS uh, line. Uh, Remember, we're asking the question today, the role of the journalist. Do you think that we're doing enough to actually, hey, you know, celebrate the journalist, hey, to really respect the duty of the journalist. What are your thoughts around that? Maybe I'm speaking as a journalist, you're like, Ben, no, man, you're just uh, protecting your own uh, your own career, your own uh, field. But hey, maybe you've got a different view. Let us know your thoughts. Whatever view you have, it's welcome. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. 795 We want to hear from you. Well, I'll be presenting once again Africa Midday. But uh, uh, from here and the Africa Dialogue team, thank you for joining us. And uh, in a few minutes, I'll be 
giving you the latest news on what's happening on the continent of Africa.